City University Television presents The American Theatre Wing Seminars Working in the Theatre This seminar, Performance Welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Working in the Theatre Seminars, now in the 28th year, coming to you from the new Graduate Center of the City University of New York. As the American Theatre Wing brings together artists from throughout the theatre community to these seminars, we provide an understanding into the exciting life and work in the professional theatre. Today's seminar is with six leading performers. We learn not only about their careers and training, but also about the drive, passion, and knowledge needed to achieve a career in the theater. I'm Isabel Stevenson, Chairman of the Board of the American Theater Wing. And now, let me introduce our moderator for the seminar, President of the Rogers and Hammerstein Organization, and a very active member of the Board of Directors of the American Theater Wing, Theodore Chapin. Ted, Hello. Thank you, Isabel. I mean, we are here today with a rather distinguished group of performers, and I'd like to introduce them to you now, starting at the end, Lily Tomlin, currently appearing in, well, I think so. <laughs> currently appearing in The Search for Intelligent Life in the Universe. Next to him, next to her, Maximilian Schell, appearing in The Judgment Nuremberg. <laughs> Heather Headley, who won a Tony for the title role of Aida. Alan Cumming and Noel Coward's Design for Living at the moment. <laughs> Faith Prince, who is Ella Peterson in the new production of Bells Are Ringing. <laughs> and Daniel Davis, who is in The Invention of Love, Tom Stockton. <laughs> the talent. Um, I thought I'd start because um, wearing my Rogers and Hammerstein hat, I've spent uh, the majority of this week in auditions. And um, my admiration for what all of you does is uh, knows no bounds. So <laughs> I just wanted to ask, um, how do you get how do you get through auditions? <laughs> do you have other techniques you have to y y master to get through that process? I think it's the, uh, it's the worst experience uh, you can <laughs> have, uh, in life, um, short of public execution. Um, it, I think that um, what I try to do always is to <coughs> I try to go in with a very strong idea of, of the character and the material. And, um, and I usually try to have in my mind um, a fairly strong objective to play. I say all of this so that, uh, so that I have something to do when I get in the room. And then I, at the same time, I try to keep myself completely open and available to a director who may, you know, like where I'm coming from but wants me to go another way and I have to keep myself facile and able to do that. But I think that um, it, it's different auditioning for the theater 
uh, it's different than it is to audition for film and television. At least it is for me. And I think there's a, a, an adjustment that you have to make that you, you know, that you know that you're, you're either going to feel, fill the stage or you're going to fill the screen. And there's a difference in, in your energy and your approach to doing an audition based on the media. But I think it's, um, it's an unnatural thing to have to do, to go in and convince somebody that after 35 or 40 years of acting that you know what you're doing. It's just completely unnatural. Also, you, 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 you're going to meet someone who potentially you might be working with for a long, long time. Yeah. And you might have a very, very close relationship with them. And <laughs> I, I was, well, you know, who knows. But uh, I like to go and I, I, get, I hate them and I like to have like a cup of tea. We <laughs> 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 just have a cup of tea and just have a chat, and then like, yeah. and, then, and then come back and if you can read. persuade them not to have to do the material at all. Just oh, that's always good. Yeah. It's the best. <laughs> 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 I mean, my agent in there said, uh, I, she, "I said I just don't want to do those things that you know." And she went, "That's okay. You're very good in a room." <laughs> 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 uh, do you find that there are directors who w will not engage you in the conversation over a cup of tea? They just want something from you? Uh, well, sometimes you walk in and you just think, oh, yuck, you know, life's too short. <laughs> and, uh, and, you, and yeah, the, or, or you, they don't really see you as a person. They're kind of looking for this. You know, I think it's really interesting that people, um, all, all of us here probably are, are here because we have very strong senses of ourselves as, ourselves as well as mm -hmm. actors mm -hmm. and sometimes people don't recognize that and they only want to see you in, in this role and um, that's kind of annoying because you're like hi you know yeah. <laughs> I'm a person too I, but yeah. <coughs> I don't think I don't think I've ever got a part from auditioning <laughs> I think mm. that's why I had to start creating parts for myself. <laughs> 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 they used to, I've gone to auditions and I've had agents mm. say to me, I will never send you on an audition again as long as I live. <laughs> <laughs> because you've totally compromised my professional reputation. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no idea what I did that was so outstandingly different. <laughs> but, uh, but you probably had what Daniel was talking about, a, a take on what that part was. And maybe it wasn't everybody else's. Uh, it might be a good conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally had so, uh, one of the, an, uh, an assistant to the agent say, say to me, honey, what happened? And I said, what? And they said, they said you acted kind of mental. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so. I have to say, having picked up comments that were made when the actors left the room this week, it's been very interesting. It, this is a kindly group that I've been with this week, but occasionally, I mean, there was one person who came with a resume that didn't look anything like what the person walked in the room. And it, and it oh, was I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> this, this is a musical, and this was a chorus person who looked like a chorus boy, and he came in and was quite, you know, quite interesting. And I just thought, well, who, who would make that decision? Mm. But <laughs> now, did, did you have to audition for the entire Disney gang for a Aida? Yes. Uh, twice, because I did Lion King the first time, and then uh, the second time. It wasn't, it was, it was tough, I think, the first time. I auditioned for um, the casting and directors, and then the second time it was for the producers to, you know, tell them that I, I w it was worth taking me out of Lion King to put me in Aida. So then we had to, and then the last audition was at an off-Broadway <coughs> theater. They rented the entire theater. Oh my God! For yeah, for me and uh, two other <laughs> girls, and um, and you know it was like set pieces and pianos, and I walk in. 
and in the darkness, I just see men, like the whole Disney contingency, oh, yeah. and Eisner sitting in the middle with a red sweatshirt <laughs> oh, yeah, and like right. a baseball cap. That's I'm like, subtle. I can't see at all. And I <laughs> did have the ears. Yeah, you know, I was like, what am I doing? It was just, it was so, it was just awful. I was like, just let me get this over with and get out of here, because I'm the worst auditioner ever. I'll like start my audition and say, you know, I'll be much better in the show. I, I, I can assure you of that. So it was, yeah, it was a, it was a long. Not long. It wasn't as long as people think, but it was, it was a tough process. I always think that when you go for parts, that it's always like if you go for uh, for films mainly, uh, that you don't really you don't really you don't want to do them really. You're just kind of going because you feel you ought to. Agents <laughs> said, you know, they really want to see you, or it's really mm -hmm. an important person, and you couldn't be like couldn't care less about it. Those are the ones you always get offered yeah, like right. before oh, you. Yeah. And then the ones that you really, 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 really want, which are much rarer, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, have, you say, oh no, Johnny Depp's doing it or something. <laughs> <laughs> I have a technique that I use. And uh, sometimes I use songs from other shows. <laughs> and then I do it a different way, like for Adelaide, when I did um, for Adelaide and Guys and Dolls, I decided to do something wonderful from King and I as Adelaide. <laughs> so they, they spend the entire audition going, what is that from? I know that song. <laughs> you know, and then it just kind of eases everything on me. And, you know, and then it just kind of throws them just a little bit off. But I don't think I had ever really known how difficult auditioning was till I sat on the other side of the table. When I was looking at other people auditioning, that was the most <coughs> painful thing I have ever been through. And I thought, what made me think I could even get in this business and get a job? Because you, I just have this sort of thing where I just stay in my lane, you know, and I think, oh, I'm going <coughs> to get to the finish line. And I think it was really good coping skill for me early on because I thought, I'm the girl you need for this part. I'm the one. And mm -hmm. I would go in with that sort of strong mm -hmm. center and I'm going to perform this, I'm going to do it this way. And I think because I concentrated on that, <laughs> I had no idea how completely wrong I was for half of the thing. <laughs> I just thought, I'm going to get it. You oh, know? And it's just relentless. I was just relentless. So <laughs> I think that's a good technique. <laughs> I agree. That's a very good one. So, Max, I see you're, you're writing. Are you uh, auditioning us? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm writing. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel terrible because I never did an audition. Never. I hate it so much. And if somebody said I should do it, I said, then just forget me. I can't. I always remember Montgomery Clift, who is for me not only a friend, but also a maybe the greatest film actor America ever made. And when he read, we did three films together, when he read, for example, in Judgment at Nuremberg, he read, uh, my mother, don't you see that is my mother on the first reading. Uh. And you could see that while he was reading, he was destroying every part he had played before. And he, he started from chaos, from nowhere. But I think that's the right way to do. I think audition, and I taught at USC, and I was so disappointed because most of the pupils wanted to know how shall I do an audition. Mm. I cannot teach you that. Uh, don't do it if you can. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because in my very first Broadway play, we had three, three actors in it. I don't want to say the names now, but the one who was the leading actress, she gave a fantastic performance in the first rehearsal. I was stuttering, and the other one was half stuttering. 
And at the end, it was reversed because it, she lost more and more. She was brilliant in the first mm -hmm. reading, and then it disappeared. I think that auditions are against every principle of acting. I think it's wrong, it's horrible. I admire every young actor who's, who has to do it, who does it. When I'm directing a film, I cannot do auditions. I talk to people, and I know them. I think I can feel it. But to it audition them, no. But how does one get the job if you don't audition? Talk to them. No. For example, John Osborne, John Osborne, who is a good <laughs> playwright, you know, we did a Patriot for me, and, and he mm -hmm. said, would you audition for me? I said, no, I wouldn't. But we talk about it. So yes, we got the play, we talked about it, but I could not read lines which haven't gone through the process of learning, of, you know, digesting. You cannot just read, otherwise it becomes a routine. I think it's absolutely wrong and horrible. And as a director, I look at somebody. I can... I, I can feel it, and most directors can do. And then I rather don't do it. Is there any other way of, of doing yeah. it? Well, you have to. I mean, I, I don't want to say that's that's the only way to do it, but somehow people always say, "Well, Max, you can do it today." I, I remember when I was very, very young. I had to. We, we don't call that audition. We call it Vorsprechen in German. That means you learn a role you like, and then you perform it. And uh, there is a scene in Prince of Homburg by Kleist. Of course, you don't know it. It would be called here a new play by Henry von Kleist. It's 200 years old. And, uh, and I, I, he had a, a sort of dream uh, account, dream, and at the end he says, and uh, you know, he takes a, a glove from a girl and in sleepwalking, and then he says, and that. A glove, by God, I have in my hand. That's the ending. That's about 150 seconds. And I read that, you know, Joseph Kainz, <laughs> who was like Edwin Booth, or, or like uh, Barry Moore, you know, mm -hmm. for, for Austria. I heard he did that in half the time. It needs about 150 seconds. And uh, he did it in half the time. So I said, well, he could, and you know, I can do it too. <laughs> so I learned it, and I rehearsed, and I worked like mad. And finally I did it, and then... The head of the theater was there, and he said, yes, that's the way Kainz would have played. Only <laughs> he knew how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the end of, <laughs> it was not an audition, but it was that sort, you know. But I don't know what to say. Right. I think if you talk to somebody, if you talk and you say, look, I can't, I can't, of course I can read the lines. And the problem was when I came from Europe, they said, would you read with this girl for the part? I said, of course I read for the girl. <laughs> or even Joseph Papp said, you know, we want to do Hamlet together. He said, would you read with us? I said, yes, I read. So I read. But he meant to play. He meant play. I, 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 don't, I cannot play something which has not gone through the process of thinking, of working, of reworking. And you see, the interesting thing is you lose on the first rehearsal. You do it usually pretty well. And then I think you all agree, you lose that. You backslide. Right. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, and too, in America, it's like when you're starting out as a young, well, in my case, I was starting out as a young musical theater actor. That's what you have to do. But it's auditions. wonderful you, did the pl you, you sang a different song, yeah. which you knew. <laughs> did you get the part? Yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
Yeah. 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 No, I just came up with plots, but you know, it's it's true what you're saying. I just would love to come up with a different plan, but when you got here, I mean, I opened my backstage, you know, and looked down the auditions, and I would just go in and go, you should pick me. You know, I just was jumped but the right way in. The, but the way the process works these yeah. days in terms of, of getting <laughs> employment, um, particularly in movies and television, if Olivier was alive, they would make him come in and audition. It's like they don't know who you are because they're 22 years old and they're running the studio. And they have no idea your history or what you bring. It's or true. And plus, that side of the industry more and more is being sort of run by people who are primarily businessmen and make business decisions. So they are looking at artists and who make artistic decisions and they're trying to evaluate an artistic decision from a businessman point of view and they, the two worlds just collide. So you have to go in and convince them uh, in person that you are what they're looking for because nine times out of ten if they want a plumber they will go and hire a plumber, not an actor who can play a plumber, but an actor Christopher plumber. plumber. Christopher. Right. Christopher. <laughs> Christopher Plumber. It sounded like plumber, yeah. the same name. But it's, I mean, but that's kind of how, don't you find that? I mean, no. I, I also think part of what everybody's saying here, which I think is important, is make a bold decision as an actor when yeah. you're going into an audition. Don't, you know, take charge. Yeah. But be open. But, I mean, yeah. you do have to have a I mean, honestly, bells are ringing. I brought that to the front table. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to get that produced for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do it for 25, but trying to get it actively produced for 10 years. I brought it to the front. I did tributes to Comden and Green. I did the um, <laughs> concert version at Kennedy Center, Words and Music. Okay, at a six-month period, they looked for everybody else and then came back to me and said, would you audition for us? And I said, no problem. Mm. Fantastic. You know. But I like Zinnemann, you know, Fred Zinnemann, the famous director, became one of those 22-year-old Coca-Cola producers, you know, from, <laughs> <laughs> from uh, Hollywood. Mm. And uh, he came and said, Mr. Zinnemann, um, could you tell me some of your records? And he said, Yours first, please. <laughs> 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 I think it's a, it's a great, great answer. I like that. Yeah. Lily, you've probably dealt with yeah. the 22-year-old businessmen from time to time <laughs> in your career. Yeah. I want to know, do you audition for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> that was the part she I gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, <laughs> actually, that is something very interesting, which I really don't understand with actors, although I am an actor. <laughs> um, if you find a musician like Pinker Zuckerman, even Isaac Stern, you know, they come after the concert. First of all, they bring their fiddle with them. <laughs> Secondly, after half an hour, they start playing. They love to make music. If you ask an actor to read a play with you or to recite something, usually they're very shy about it. Mm. And I think that's wrong. It's not an audition, but to work with fellow actors on something which is worthwhile, I think it's fantastic. And I really introduced that, even in Hollywood. We have always evenings where we get a few actors together, we read a play, mm -hmm. we talk about it, we reread it, and it's wonderful because it's finding the profession. That's a great, if you want to call it audition, but to, to, to read blank from the script which you got just 10 minutes before, one day before, it's impossible. Mm. I was, I was also interested in, in, and I don't want to dwell on this t too much more, but are, are there specific techniques to get through, I mean, to get through that awful process? Or do you just have to trust your own instincts and do the best you can? 
I just think in any meeting when you meet someone that, and you know, potentially they're going to give you a job, I, I, I just think, you know, I, I think they would be so lucky to have me. <laughs> and, uh, and just, it's the right just, attitude. You should just have to yes. think like that because it's, you know, it's so often actors are like, oh my God, you know, every, we're, we're sort of little, throwing little pieces of meat like little dogs. <laughs> and um, it's just like you just have to empower yourself and, and say, you know, that the, they, they would be lucky. Did you have to audition for Cabaret here even though you'd done it at the Dunmar Warehouse? No. Oh, good. I didn't. But somebody, one of, of your colleagues said once to me, when I go to an audition, I look at them and say, 10 years or 20 years from now, you will be all dead and I will be still alive. <laughs> <laughs> and that gave him the courage to do it. I think it's tough, though, walking into a room and, and because uh, we have so much, it's, it's, you know, we want to be accepted in the role. You know, you want to get it. <laughs> it's part of ego and work and everything like that. And there's a lot of rejection in our business, a lot of times more than when not we get, you know, told no. And I always tell people, you know, like young people always come to me and they're like, you know, how did you do it? You know, everybody tells me no. And I always tell them it's, it's the tough thing that I had to learn, I think, at, at my age, um, which is, you know, I, God knows, I'd, I'm so honored to just be sitting <laughs> with everybody up here. I'm, I'm like sitting here going, I should be in the audience going, okay. <laughs> but with that said, but, um, but I, what I had to learn is that just because they say no to me does not mean that I am bad. Mm. And so that's when I walk into the room and have to think, mm. just because no was said to me this day does not mean that Heather is an awful performer and she's terrible, unless somebody says that, you know, that you're the worst <laughs> thing we've ever seen, which, which sometimes happens. But, but I had to remember that, that this just wrong. wasn't my day. Right. I have wrong. to move on. You just didn't need Heather right. in all her fierceness for right. this part. <laughs> you know, I was too much for you. Right. So I had to move on, right. <laughs> you know? Because I just, I just remember somebody had told me that every no leads to a yes. And so if I was not said no to on certain auditions, I would not have been available to get Aida, mm -hmm. which led me to the most incredible time of my life. So that's what I have to walk in the room remembering, that this may be my day, this may not be my day, but it's not because I'm bad. It's just because this was, you know, I, I God knows I can't go to Showboat and sing, you know, any of the songs in there. Maybe I could, I could pull it off, but I would not be, maybe great that day, it'd take a lot more, you know? So that's what I had to remember, and I think that's empowering in itself, that no matter what happens today, when I leave this room, I'm still Heather, and I'm still good at what I do. I still need to learn a lot, but, you know, I did the best I could this day, and this was not my journey. My journey's coming up. So that's, what I, that's how I get through the, the rejection of How it. did you get the first audition? For Aida? Or just in general? In general. Oh. <laughs> I was in school, and uh, I was at Northwestern University hiding under tables because I did not want to leave school at all. Because <laughs> I believe in higher education. <laughs> Good for you. However, <laughs> um, I was working at a regional theater. It was my first professional job. I did two regional shows while still in school and taking my whole course load. And, um, and it's funny because they called me and said, I got a job that day at the Schubert Theater doing the Christmas show, which is like 20 performances a week. And they were going to pay me like, you know, $1,600 a week, which I was like, God have mercy, I could buy the world. Yes. You know, I could pay for school. This is a, yeah. I can't believe this. 
you know, I mean, it was fifteen hundred ninety-nine more than I was making at work study. Right. So, um, so I decided, okay, you know, I would take that. And that same day, I was supposed to have an audition for this musical that they were doing in Toronto called Ragtime. So I called my agents and I said, I'm not going to go to the Ragtime audition. I got this one. I'm going to call that quits. And she said, no, go in. It's live event. Um, you won't get it. They'll say you're too young. They'll call you back next year. So I walked in with that attitude, like, ugh, you know, I'm not going to get this. I sang the song. And while I was singing the song, they were all, like, talking to each other. And I remember being like, what? <laughs> you know? So I kept singing, just like, with, ugh, gosh. So I got my papers at the end of it, and I kind of walked out because my whole attitude was, I'm not going to get it. Mm. And I got it. They were like, we're discussing the fact that you're in school. Do you think you can leave school and come do ragtime for us? And... I, I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm not supposed to get this. And I was telling them that. I was like, I'm doing that's the not the part. I'm doing the Christmas show. I got a job. I got school. And, um, and that started everything. It took a week for me to make the decision. I cried every day. I called every professor because I did not want to leave school. In retrospect, it was the best decision that I made at that time. I believe, you know, I still want my degree. But, you know, six months later, Disney came knocking, and a year later... Will you ever go back to school? I do. My mother wants her degree, because she said she paid for it, and she's like... <laughs> <laughs> That's what she says. <laughs> she's like, I want my degree. So I, uh, I do, I do... A Tony won't do. Tell her a to Tony come in. Won't <laughs> She got six months on that. Okay. We have dual custody. We have custody. She gets it six months. I get it on weekends. It's okay. Um, but she, I, I do want it because it's just one of those things that um, I've, I, I tried so hard to get into Northwestern and to stay at Northwestern. And so it was tough for me to leave Northwestern. So I, I want it. Where did you grow up before you went to Northwestern? Oh, I, uh, I grew up in the Caribbean in Trinidad. In, yeah, knew nothing about Broadway, um, didn't know it existed. As a matter of fact, even we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana after <laughs> Trinidad, logical. To stop to Broadway, yeah, right? Yeah, to stop. <laughs> and so uh, we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And even then, I thought that there was one theater where all the shows came in. And so every week or so, I don't know how they did it, but they just all came in and did this show in this Broadway theater. <laughs> so that's what I thought. And so when uh, my first introduction to musical theater, I remember, was in the Caribbean. And, and living in the Caribbean, we have a lot of um, imports of Indian music, well, Indian films. And as you know, they do a lot of, it's a musical <laughs> almost. They dance and sing. So I just thought that's how all American <coughs> films were. So when I saw uh, my first movie, which was Sound of Music, I just thought, that's what they do. <laughs> and so um, <coughs> that's what I did. I sang, and, and, and then when we got to the States, they introduced me to musicals, and uh, that was it. it was fell in love after that. That's great. Yeah. Did you have any of the fancy training that they have over on your side of the pond? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the uh, Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama for three years. Did you have a good time? <laughs> I did. Yeah, quite good. I was. I mean, I'm really glad of it. Uh, you know, at the time, and uh, it kind of ended a similar sort of thing. I started to work you know professionally before my course was over and um and they were a little bit naughty with me about that but um, <laughs> so i had a bit of a bad uh, taste in my mouth at the end of it um but no it was good it was a great thing to do you know and just to, i think to have the what i really appreciate is having the range of experiences not just about acting but 
uh, you know, directing and, and, and stage management and all, all, you did a whole range of things in the course over three years and I, I really, I'm so glad of that because I'm, I'm, I think people who are so kind of insular about just acting and can't see their role within the whole bigger picture are, are you know, missing out on something as well as being kind of rude. <laughs> yeah, that, that, it, it's interesting that, that uh, somebody's flashing something at me. Um, Daniel, who I think some of us, at least the television crowd, thought you were English for years mm. and sort of surprised to hear that, that you're not. No, I was born in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> so that you trained in this country, yes? I trained in this country, yeah. Um, I, I actually went to... Um, uh, a conservatory that was started by the Rockefeller Foundation in Arkansas for native uh, native kids of Arkansas. We, the first class was offered scholarships to have four years of training in this conservatory. But because our uh, my training was all, um, we were a performing school. We had uh, we did um, we were on the boards with a play every night. So our uh, for a paying audience, and that's how the school subsidized itself somewhat through the Rockefeller Foundation and ticket sales. <laughs> and so all of our classes were geared toward the performance. So classwork was all about rehearsing and being ready to go on that night. And we did a, a sort of small rep of plays, six plays a season. So all of, all of my, from the very beginning of my training, it was all geared toward performance. But I really felt that um, I learned a lot, but I didn't learn as much as I did when I actually came into the professional world and the first company that I was a part of was when Michael Kahn organized the American Shakespeare Festival in Stratford in the late 60s and I was working, my, the first company of actors that I was in was Eva Legallian, Morris Karnofsky, <laughs> Kate Reed, uh, Lynn Carrier, Roberta Maxwell, I mean quite a long list, Brian Bedford and, and we were doing the classics and that keeping my mouth closed and my eyes open and watching these people work was where the first where I first really knew what it meant to be a professional actor and where my r training really began. But because I wanted to do the classical theater, that's what I was prepared for and trained to be part of. So you could not say soft what lat from yonder window breaks, so you had to learn how to, <laughs> which is how I spoke when I was growing up. So we had very good teachers who, um, who, I mean, I, my early teachers were Kristen Linkletter and, you know, Liz Smith and amazing people, and Edith Skinner. Of course, a columnist. No, no, no the other. <laughs> the voice <laughs> uh, Be careful. And, you know, I got to prepare, um, I got to prepare six uh, classical roles with Edith Skinner as my voice coach. So, after a while, you don't sound like you're from Arkansas anymore, <laughs> you know. But also, but I mean, th that e extraordinary distinguished company that you must have mm. learned from the company that you keep. I, I told Lily earlier that I had read this, I think, an extraordinary book on the movie Nashville. And one mm. of the things that's amazing in this book is you, the realization of the people who were together making that film were from all over, the, just a variety of people. And did, did you all play off each other and learn in things from? Well, you know, Robert uh, Altman is a very freewheeling as a direct, as a film director, and uh, um, you're always encouraged to, if you if you departed from the script, you were not uh, chastised. Let me say that. Um, and in that particular film, we were asked to only uh, whatever was said about us by any other character, we had to accept as the truth of our life. You know, and every night we went to dailies, and so if somebody said something that would impact on our character or our experience, we just had to incorporate it into our, 
own performance. Wow. <laughs> I mean, if it was, if it surfaced, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, that must have been risky. No, well, he, you, you, he, uh, Robert always makes it a very safe feeling. You know, you never feel that you're going to be punished by some oversight of his that ends up on the screen. So you trust him. He's a yeah. director you trust. Yeah. So it's, it's a. How did you get to that? You, uh, he just fosters it. He's uh, he's just that kind of guy, and and uh, and I noticed when <coughs> I, when when I went to Nashville, the the part I got was the last part I wanted. <laughs> there were any of the other. I thought I could play any other the any of the other women in this piece, <laughs> and uh, I said I don't know why I'm being asked to play Linnea, uh, who was um, <coughs> this very middle class woman married to uh, Ned Beatty, who was a lawyer, a good old boy lawyer, and I had two children, two hearing impaired children. Um, and then, um, but I, but I had, uh, anyway, mm. when I got there, I saw how, every, how right everybody was, because Bob is really great at casting. Mm. And he takes, and it's, and he's very, he just latches onto anything that's serendipitous. If, if, um, somebody, like Julie Christie came through town, uh, Elliot Gould came through town, <laughs> he just puts him in the movie. You know, he, <laughs> even if they just are walking through a party scene, and he gives them a line or two, and he gets, you know. That was great. Also, as somebody who had worked for the National Theater of the Deaf, I was very impressed with your sign language in that movie. Oh, yeah. So I, I, st I studied every day for three months. I never could really, you know, speak, but I, uh, I signed fluent. I, I really learned what I had to sign, basically. Did you feel but at I, the end of the film you were right for that role? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I felt very good in the uh -huh. role. Yeah. But I meant, you know, going in, you thought... Yeah, no, I... Because I, I, I identified with so many different kinds of people, I, I didn't... I, I guess I thought I could have played anything else. I'm not saying I probably played that better than I would have played something in any of the other parts because Bob probably knew that. Just like you were saying, as a director, you you know the essence or you feel something. Mm. Were you surprised when you got a nomination, an Oscar nomination? Yes, very surprised because <laughs> I had very little screen. I mean, you know that we really 25 actors in a film. You don't have a lot of screen time. But uh, but I had some good. I had a couple of very good scenes. Where did well, you study? Well, I, um, you know, in the beginning I couldn't study very well. I didn't understand, just as I didn't understand how to audition. And when I would study, if I'd go to class with various, you know, people that I'd, that I'd go to class, I'd, I'd sign up and go to class, and whenever I'd get up and perform, I'd see after when I'd finish, I'd try to incorporate what I'd been learning in class, you know. And people, I'd see, I'd finish doing a scene or something, and, I'd, and the audience, the kids would be look, looking at me like I was just really wacky. <laughs> like, where did, you know, what was I doing? What was I thinking? What? And the teacher would be sort of dumbfounded, too. <laughs> and so then I, I stopped. So I, I clearly could not develop technique at that point. You know, I, I just had to go intuitively. Uh, and so then I would, if I do it, I, they'd, be, uh, they'd be so obviously so unimpressed <laughs> in the right way. That, uh, that I'd come back the next time and just sort of do it by the skin of my teeth, you know. And then it would seem to be more acceptable or more understandable. And then gradually, of course, in doing it, in, you know, in doing, literally doing, acting, as you say, there's nothing, that's what you have to do, just like you say, work, like Max says, you, actors working on a scene. And, uh, the more you do, the better you are. The more you do, the, you know, it's just like becoming uh, skillful at your craft. But there's also something interesting. Um, I directed in the National Theatre in London, Tales from the Vienna Woods, and I personally loved it when a director plays for me a part. Because when he explains it, I don't understand a word. I always said, you should listen to a director and then forgive him. 
But, uh, <laughs> but uh, in, in Switzerland and Germany, you know, it, it, it was wonderful when a great actor or great director plays for you the part. Of course, they're always cheating. <laughs> because they say, now, you know, you get up, uh, silent, of course, you don't say a word, then you go over and you... Uh, careful. You, careful. Yeah, be, you be careful because... <laughs> <laughs> Because you're wired. Because you're wired. <laughs> talking and talking, and it looks great, but you know, the, the actor has to do it without words then, and without <coughs> being helped. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's a European thing with directors. I, 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 um, yeah, the interesting thing. Do you mind? I, I just want to say that because it was interesting. Uh, uh, no, oh, you say it, and then I say it. Okay. <laughs> um, the director. That, uh, the difference I find, like, uh, it just reminded me, I did a play by Dario Fo once, and he came, and, uh, and I was playing the part in the play that he had played, you know, he wrote it for himself. And then there's, another, there's a German writer called Manfred Karg, I did a play of his, and he came. And uh, they, the pair of them were, uh, you know, very uh, big presences, but they, they, were, they were very, uh, they had no compunction about, like, sort of showing you what they wanted you to do, physically showing you and kind of... Uh, and that and that's something that is much I think in 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 America and Britain as well actually, um, the you know, actors are much more like oh my God he gave me a line reading he, you know, <laughs> yes. I can't believe it. And the and interesting uh, thing was when I did that too in London you know yeah and I played it for them because I thought it was easier to show them. And then Peter Hall came and said Max. Uh, <laughs> So I should tell you, Max, darling. <laughs> yes, darling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the British actors don't like it so much when you play the part for them, and and if you do it, don't do it so well. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right because English actors and American actors they like to work. But you know who would but do that? Germany, Jerome Robbins. Jerome Robbins was that way. If you yeah. he couldn't articulate so much yes. in words what he wanted you to do. But I would say to him, Jerry, could you do it for me? Yeah. And he would get up and I go, No, exactly well, what you it. mean. Yeah. And he was brilliant. He was the most brilliant at it. Well, and I, I would go, know. and that's how I our dialogue was because I used to just sit and watch him, and then if he'd say well, it, it needs to be, and I went, just could you do it for me? And he'd get up and do it, and I went, ah, I got it, I know exactly what you. Well, that's a nice anecdote uh, of Goethe, Goethe, as they say in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said, do you know where the Goethe Straße is? Oh no. You mean the Goethe Street? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so it's the Goethe. And he had, his best friend was a man who sold antiques, you know, his name was Meyer. And since he was Swiss, they called him Kunstmeyer, which means Art Meyer. And they were in Karlsbad, in Karlovivari together, and the legend goes that they were walking there every day, and every half hour, Goethe said, mm-hmm, and then Meyer said, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole conversation. <laughs> and I think that's the best conversation you can have. If I ever find a director, when I say, mm-hmm, and she says, that's it, I would be the happiest <laughs> in the world. I, I wanted to, to ask, Heather, because I, I know that Aida went through two incarnations. So you had a director, one director, and then it changed into a completely different show, except you, I mean, I assume that it changed into a completely diff different show, but what was that experience like? That was tough. That was very, very tough. Um, after we did the Atlanta incarnation, as we call it, um, save Sherry, Renee Scott, myself, uh, five ensemble members who had to re-audition for the show. 
um, uh, I guess my audition was on stage when the new director came in, and Natasha Katz, who did the lights and, and got a Tony for it, um, they they fired everybody else. So um, everyone, how many? Everybody. Screens of people. Just yeah. everybody. The 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 set designers, the directors. Everybody. Choreographer. Choreographer, everybody. And it was tough, you know, these people hired me, and now I'm watching them go. And so that was a, a tough, tough thing. <laughs> you didn't want to walk the streets to see anybody, you know. It was, it was, it was really tough. And it was, it was, uh, it, there was a lot of hurt and breaking, you know, with, with me. I was very close to the show, but I knew that whoever they were going to bring in was going to help the show get, get further on. So that was, it was tough going from one director to the other. I had to keep the core of Aida, but not insult the new director by saying, well, this is what I did before. Mm -hmm. right. You know what I mean? You had to, I had to remember her core, but not, not to bring that to the table and be open to whatever he was going to bring to my table as well. So there, you know, it was a lot to get used to this other person, but ev everybody got gone. <laughs> I was concerned for two, you know, a few minutes. Just say when you do a film. Uh, I did once a film for 20th Century Fox, and I knew that Alan Ladd, Laddie called, he was the son of Alan Ladd, um, that he always says after each first showing of the film, that's too long, always. So I put in two scenes, which I had cut out anyway before, <laughs> and uh, put them in, and then he said, uh, Max, uh, I must tell you, it's good, but it's too long. So I said, what about this scene and that scene? <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. So I cut out the scenes. I already cut out, and it was wonderful. <laughs> he's figured you out, though. Right. You can't pull that one anymore. No, <laughs> he but he's not the head of... <laughs> <laughs> He's not running the studio. They know, I know. <laughs> but now they know. It's a new one. New one, yeah. <laughs> but I, I did hear from, from someone who had done a, a, a sort of a magical painting thing for, for a movie that Robin Williams had said, now listen, there are 12 guys here, the producers. Now, eight of them n have absolutely nothing to do. But when they all come and say, you know, this should be green, Tell them it's the greatest idea you've ever heard. Yes. And just ignore it. But tell them it's great because they'll come back next week and say, oh, you know what? You painted that green just like I told you. I think you, to. you did that when you did Aida <laughs> again, you know. You just said, oh, yeah, that's a great yeah, that's idea. That's a great idea. Which you did before, but you didn't know. <laughs> I listen. Lily, when you and Jane Wagner, your director, approached this piece again, did you find that you were, you were both looking at it newly, or was it like back in the old ruts and this is comfortable? Um. Well, a lot of it, you know, a lot of it still lives in your body, so it's, uh, it's, um, it's not so easily, you know, radically altered, you know. Uh, I mean, I think things were cleaned up or sharpened or maybe, re you know, lessened. Um, it's, a, it's a different kind, it's, it's working in that, that form is so different than, uh, you know, m moving a lot of people together uh, in, Inter interplay uh, because it's it's if I if I want to if something's going to be changed I mean I'm the only one who has to be changed right. you know you don't have to uh, negotiate with a lot of people yeah it's uh, <laughs> and it's pretty fluid any I mean the show is really more choreographed almost than than you know it's to keep it seamless it's uh, uh, there's a there's a certain amount of dance in it dance like movement. Are the audiences different this time around than last time? Uh, I think, uh, in some ways, I think they're more, resp more responsive emotionally. I think they uh, have more 
you know, grown up to the play in a sense. You know, it's it's not so. It doesn't seem so political or this or that to them, or you know, specifically sociological. It's it's. I think they see it in a larger the way it was intended anyway, uh, just as a larger tapestry of of humanity and how in all of us being in it together and. And then, and what's moving about that, and how what's special about us as as as, as a species? How long <laughs> ago is it since you did it last time? I beg your pardon. How long ago is it since you did it last time? Uh, I did it in eighty five, eighty six here, yeah. at the Plymouth, at at the theater that uh, Faith is at. So you moved next door. Yeah. <laughs> Have you done it in England? No, but I, I'm I'm probably going to go to England this coming season mm -hmm. because I mean I've been talking to people about doing it because I I didn't go last time because I had a little dog, <laughs> and I didn't want to leave her. You know, <coughs> it's a father. Yeah. Did you find Alan in, in in cabaret that the audiences were different every night? I mean that was a pretty demanding when it first opened and nobody knew what it was. Mm -hmm. It must have been a little demanding for the audience. Uh, yes, I think it was. It was especially um, the the roundabout theatre have a subscription audience, which tends to be slightly older than the <laughs> average <laughs> audience member. They must have taken to it big time. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so the first couple of months uh, were, you know, the majority of the people were the subscription people. And then it kind of went more sort of average. <laughs> younger. Younger, younger, yeah. And, and a more, you know, a, a bigger, sort of more general cross-section of humanity. And uh, <laughs> so that was quite... Uh, and the play is just opening, and, and, and you're kind of... It felt like it was so much more shocking than I thought it was, because the people's reactions to it were more extreme than, you know. Um, so that was quite hard, I think. I remember the first time I saw it, I was sitting right behind Vanessa Redgrave, the mother Redgrave, and watching... Yes, they, they would have enjoyed it. Though. Yes, oh, they had, no a, great time. They had yeah. a great time. So right in our little group. It was yeah, but it was quite... I think uh, I find it... Um, really uh, what I like, I, you know, I thought it was to do with, when I did Cabaret, I, uh, it was really interesting because the, uh, the audience was like the other actor for me. I didn't really engage with anyone else on stage, really, I thought, you know, Sally Bowles or, right. but <laughs> the only people I really talked to were the audience and so they were different every night and so that made it exciting because you had a different actor almost every night to play off again. And then of course the bits when I actually really did engage with them um, physically, that was quite um, scary and different every night. And now in Design for a Living, I think it's really, I thought that wouldn't be the same, because, you know, I haven't done a play for a long, long time, and if you don't count cabaret, and, uh, um, but I really love the way that, because it's a, it's a challenging play, you know, it's actually not what people think it's going to be like, it's, a, it's about a topic that I don't think people would have thought Coward would have written or would have written 70 years ago. And so that's really interesting because the kind of music of it changes every night, and c depending on the audience's reaction to it. Do you, f do you find your performances change if the audience is completely different mm -hmm. every night? If, Especially yeah. when well, they cough. If, if laughs, if you don't get laughs, if you don't, mm -hmm. if something. No, like yeah, do, you well, do you adjust, for instance? A strong yeah. audience gives you permission. A good, line, a good word, a word that's to significant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no. One. What were you saying about the audience being different? Yeah, and you respond. Uh, sure, you I think I think when you if an audience if you feel an audience is real, it's not even doesn't even have to be response. It's a kind of you can feel the yeah, you can hear the, it. the the yeah. vibration of, of appreciation or under, or understanding or, or getting it or, and so you, it makes you soar. You know, you're so you're so at one. I mean that's that's what the the, sur the surgeon is really a whole about that theatrical experience of sitting in an audience and the and the whole symbiosis of it and, and if it's how do you adjust to it if you find the audience is not 
working I, with you. Well, I, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, uh, I perform so long, and uh, I, I, I just, I frankly, I love the audience. I, uh, I think, uh, I think it's a, a big element to, uh, to expressing anything you're going to express on stage is you really have an absolute, genuine, uh, complete forgiveness and acceptance and love of the audience. Uh, I, I had a, a, stu uh, a, a student wrote me a note one night. She said, uh, I've been stewing over a note my acting teacher gave me, she, uh, which is, if you can't love the audience, why bother? And she said, I'm leaving tonight. I've never felt so loved. <laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, th but that play is also, the search is also an affirmation of, of the audience, you know, an absolute. You also have an obligation to the audience. Yeah, well, and th but the audience is an absolute, I mean, I, in the, at the top of the search, I always say, I was so afraid you wouldn't show up. I mean, and without you, there'd be little point in me being here. <laughs> That's completely pretty direct. too true. Mm. But I always I, like to find out what personality they have. And I can usually yeah. tell in my first ten lines mm -hmm. what they respond yeah. what they're gonna to. Respond to and and if it's not any of those ten, I go, ooh, who are you? <laughs> 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 you know. Well, you you also have, have the experience that always in the first row, somebody is sleeping. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> always in the first row. I don't know why. Second row, no. Third no, row, no. no. <laughs> first row, some, and usually it's a man, and I understand him, the poor man was dragged by his woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the cell phones are the worst now. I've got a friend. Cell phones oh, are driving me crazy. I'll, I'll kill with the at cell phones. At Aida, they have cell phones Sometimes. going off? Sometimes. Oh, the cell phones. Every now yeah, and then. And it, it's the always time, in the wrong Aida, key. You know? <laughs> it's in the yeah, yeah. It's in the wrong key. It's like, did it, did it, I'm like, no, but oh, I'm in the wrong God. Oh. It's terrible. But I, so I always believe that the audience is like, they don't understand. They believe that the audience believes it's the fourth wall, and so therefore they get away with a lot more. Not understanding that I think at at 160 47th Street, uh, obviously yours too, um, we have a relationship. <laughs> so when you walk into the building, we have just engaged in a very a big relationship really? here. It's yeah. live up here. It's not a 3D movie, you know. <laughs> and so therefore, I hear everything. I feel everything. I hear that sneeze in the back row. You know what I mean? And so, but it's, it's this symbiotic relationship. And you give as much to me as I can give to you. You help my, my performance. And so if that audience is with me the entire way, even if I don't hear a word, and that's sometimes the best, the best time that, you know, that's what we have. And so it's funny because, and this might sound a little, you know, but before the curtain goes up, I say a prayer every night, and I pray for the audience. Mm. I really do. I say, I say, Lord, help them. Let the, yeah, let the cell phones let not ring. But, but I do pray for them, because I, I do believe, as, as Ms. Tomlin says, that we, we, I love you. If they weren't there, I, I would not be here. I love but them, too, but I don't cough. But don't cough. <laughs> and turn your cell phone off. Right. <laughs> But I'm not better. But that's now become a current prologue. The great, the great thing in the pages, and then somebody's talking. Yes, that's the girl. I see her. Then he looks up who this is. Yeah, and the lights, the flashlights. Sometimes we had a friend in the show who said that they were on stage one night and they heard the cell phone go off, and they heard the person say, "I'm at the theater." The nice thing is, in, in judgment at Nuremberg, the audience is also the audience in the courtroom. So sometimes I play that. 
and in the, in the, have a big speech, and then they were coughing constantly. Yeah. And so I said, don't cough! <laughs> I have to say something very important. I did say it was part of the plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And, and all, all my colleagues looked at me. <laughs> they were absolutely flabbergasted. <laughs> Nobody coughed anymore. It's wonderful. I almost was said everybody who coughs would have been one of the guilty ones. <laughs> 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 Is there any, do you find any difference between a matinee audience oh. and the evening? <laughs> I think each night has a different personality. Me too. Me too. I, I find nights. some matinees are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I love them. Weekend, I've, I've even, I, I don't do Wednesday matinees except occasionally. And, uh, but I had, uh, I've had very good Wednesday matinees, and I usually have very good Saturday really and yeah. Sunday oh. matinees. Yeah. What? You're a real star. Oh, yes. <laughs> 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 Saturday nights are always a bit weird, I think, yeah. as well. That people are like, in. Oh, yeah. yes. come we, on, man. We come to the theater. Yeah. That's that. <laughs> We've left the babysitter at home. <laughs> We're going to have dinner and <laughs> back on the Upper West Side by 11 o'clock. Prove to me you yeah. can sing. Prove. But you know, it's, it changes with each show because usually Friday nights in other shows that I, are not the greatest nights, we call it the bridge and tunnel crowd. You know, <laughs> they're out there and it's like, mm -hmm. but for some reason, bells are ringing. Friday nights are fantastic. Mm. You know, and so it Friday. changes. Yeah. Thursday nights. Yeah. I love Thursdays. We all got paid, so we're all happy. Thursday nights are great. Every now and then, like a Tuesday night, you know, you get the suits, as I call them. Yeah. Because it's during the week. Yeah. And so it's a little stiff. You know, at the end, they always jump up. people have gotten tickets for business. Right. You always get the saying, they always jump up. Our matinees have a lot of students, so those are the, you know, the screams, you know. Yeah. Have my baby! I love you! Well, it's great wow. to hear that stuff still. It's Nobody nice. says that to me. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you do, I eat it. Have my baby, Faith. Have my baby. <laughs> oh, I love I've got a, and Jennifer Ely, who's in the play with me, said that this friend of hers in uh, London, when she goes, to, you know, we're talking about people sleeping and coughing. She went to the theatre and someone died in the theatre. Yes, and then. <laughs> It's not funny, but <laughs> then she went, she called it up a couple of weeks later, she went, it happened again! <laughs> she went to the theatre again and someone died. Like, really next to her. One wonder what's, what the play was. I was like, I don't come <laughs> to our play. <laughs> it's also, I, 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 I was, I mean, the, the empowerment of how much you all know about the audience is interesting. I was at the theatre one night, and at the end, there, I had a friend in the company, there was somebody else I hadn't met, and she said, oh, you were the one with the sweater. Yeah. I thought, you saw me sitting out yeah. there with my oh, yeah. you, you, you realize that? You know everything. Ooh. I called out this woman the other day, taping the show. During, I can't stand it. I just, you know, you I stopped in the performance. I didn't stop. No, I wish I could. I'm not there yet. Right. I, I, I wish I could. Also, you're not quite as I'm not there yet. Show. No. It's, uh, by the way, ma'am, we're in Egypt, but can you put that video camera down? <laughs> right. I can't do that just yet. But um, I, I, they would kill me. But I did. I just, I can't stand it. But I see a lot of times audience members oh. don't know how much we see. And I remember I went backstage in the five minutes that I have, and I was just like six rows back, four in. She's in a gray sweater. She has long hair. It's then and she's going to put the, you know, I went through the whole thing. How you could you see all this? Oh. I thought you were just the red light. But you see the red light and then you just, that yeah. person just becomes yeah. this thing that you just can't take yeah, anymore. Right. <laughs> you just, you know, dancing. She literally, and then they got the video and they brought it back and she had like close-ups of yeah. it. It was a movie. And so I had them erase the whole thing. The I was going to leave her a message, but... It won an Academy Award. The best was King and I. I was doing Hello... No, sorry. Hello, Young Lovers. 
and I turn and see on the front row this woman take out the biggest bag of Ruffles potatoes. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Sam's Club, you know, one of those. <laughs> Open it up. Get her son. He reaches in. Yeah. They are eating Ruffles. And I'm going, hello. Yeah. <laughs> and the I walk off stage, I go, get the ruffles out. <laughs> they went out and got it and took it from the woman. And it was, oh, it was like, this is not the movies, you know? No, but they, they, it, I, th I think part of, part of modern days is that they're empowered because they think they're at home and they can get the ruffles potato chips with the television. You're not going to stop it them. It was that big. Well, no. also. But I still love you. Too. I love you all. <laughs> 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 Don't be too spoiled. For Shakespeare's time, it was worse. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, oh, yeah they oh, were yeah. drinking, they were yeah. eating. They, probably, you had to yeah. get <laughs> the attention of them. Shagging, did you say? Very famous. You know, <laughs> actually, <laughs> Shakespeare was the first one who was a rapper. Because John Dowland, who wrote the music, he wrote for the soliloquies and uh, he wrote music. So for, he says, to be or not to be? That's the question. And uh, it was very effective. It's very effective. Because music goes easier into the ear and into the heart than just words. Well, some places you expect it. I mean, you know, I've worked outdoor theater where, you know, they had the hot dogs and the thing. It's like, how are you? Carousel. You know, it's like. But, you know, I don't know. Broadway theater, I don't expect Ruffles potato chips. No, but call me old fashioned. I also know that the people who try to get new audiences in, you know, there's a mistaken notion that you can go to some place where they don't normally go to the theater and hand out tickets and say, look, free tickets. And Ruffles. Leave the Ruffles at home, but they don't know how to behave, they don't know how to dress. Theater is a dying art form, you know. Most people's experiences of watching things are on in cinemas or at home in videos, they don't, it's, it's rare in, in people's lifetime, the number of times mm -hmm. they will go and see a live theatre show. So it's understandable in a way. Sad, but understandable. Don't say it's a dying no, but that, form. But it is. No, it is not. It is so. No, it will go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's, di it's going to die, but it's dying. It's no, getting, it's like the way the planet's dying. Can I tell you why it's not dying? <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm interested too, I want to yeah. hear too. Shall I say it? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, because it's a form of communication. It is like we have now an audience, and they live with us. With us. And they applaud, or they laugh, or they cough, whatever. <laughs> and when you are home, who coughs for you? Mm. Who, who? That's why they put applauds in. Uh -huh. I saw once one of those uh, men who did that, you know. And he was watching the movie, and then he pushed the button, ha, 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 and he was laughing, ha, 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 ha. Then the producer came and said, I think there should be half a laugh there. Okay, run back, and he said, ha, 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 And it's really, it's, it's, it's made so at home people feel in the community. What I want to say is, going to the theater, getting dressed, taking the pain to buy tickets, be in a community who are interested in that play, that will never die. No, Let's, hold so. right Let's hold it right here. Let's hold it right here. The guy who pushes the button for the laughs this time <laughs> told me we should break now. Okay. So let's take a little break. This is CUNY TV, the City University of New York.
Welcome back to the American Theatre Wing's Working in the Theatre Seminar on Performance. Before returning to our panelists, I would like to remind you that these seminars and the Tony Awards given for excellence in theatre are only a part of the activities of the American Theatre Wing. They are perhaps the most visible efforts, but the Wing is so much more. As a not-for-profit charity, the Wing's mission is to promote excellence in the theatre and provide educational and humanitarian services through the theatre we all love. Our meaningful programs to students include Introduction to Broadway, which in its 10-year history has enabled close to 100,000 New York City high school students to attend a Broadway show, many for the first time. The Wing also introduces young people to theater, and the magic unfolds by bringing professionals into schools for workshops as a part of our theater and school program. Our hospital program, dating back to World War II, when we created the legendary stage door canteens, continues to provide volunteer professionals to entertain patients in hospitals, nursing homes, aid centers, and child care facilities. Additionally, our grants and scholarship program provides financial support where it is so needed. We take pride in the work we do and remain grateful to our members and everyone who helps make possible the dynamic programs of the American Theatre Wing. Our work strengthens the ties between the theatre and the community, and we are very proud to be a part of this great effort. So now having said that, let's return to our fascinating panel on performance and our fascinating moderator, Ted Chapin. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to pick up on two themes that we had talked about before the break. Um, the audiences and technology, because you were talking about the cell phones. And I, I wanted to impress you all to, by saying that I went on four websites last night, because four of you that I know have websites. And I wanted to ask w about them and the philosophy of them. Daniel, you were, um, I, don't, I didn't find a website for you. You had a, 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 a run on the nanny and, yes. and obviously had a, a, a coterie of fans from that. Mm -hmm. uh, was there pressure to have a website? or did There was pressure to have a website and actually somebody uh, started up a website. But I had it removed because, uh, because they used a lot of unauthorized information and they put my sister and my nephew's addresses and they put my phone number in Los Angeles. I, how they got it, I don't know. And so it was kind of, it, it made me a little unhappy to have that and I didn't authorize any of the use of the information so I never got around to establishing one for myself and and I I, I, I felt very invaded by that because they had called theaters where I had worked and gotten pictures that and put them posted on, on the website a lot of them were you know the unauthorized use of pictures and it, it, it's not I'm not crazy about all of that stuff so well, th those of you who have authorized websites, what, what's, what was the thinking behind? What is the thinking? Well, who else besides me has one? <laughs> Heather? <laughs> Alan? Well, Faye. mine is, mine, my, mine is uh, I consider it a, another form of entertainment. And, it uh, is, of entertainment. And, I, and mine's sort of like a 24-hour theater, little, your own little <laughs> storefront theater. And, uh, and also and then a practical uh, ambition I have is to get everything I own, every photograph, every document, on the net and then have no paper in my life. Or <laughs> <laughs> no photographs. <laughs> and and uh, we just have, I mean, my, my site is really for hardcore fans just to have fun. You know, it's rather, it's quite interactive and it's just, um, it's just to horse around and have fun. Do you, do you have a, a, a talk to Lily Tomlin part of the, of the website? 
No, I mean, you interacted by the sense that you can make no. stuff on it, do stuff, and you can go different. It's very hypertextual. No, no, that I, that, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, but, no, but, no, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was... <laughs> That's why we have them. Well, that's that's. I want. I don't want to let go of that. Is, is that is that why you? Um, I well, no. It's part. It's a dual reason for me. I I there are there are quite a lot of unofficial websites about me, and I just thought, um, you know, along the lines of all that, that it would be nice to um, have an official one. Also, I'm so bored of uh, answering the same questions in interviews that now I just say, actually, you know, you could find all this out on my website and you could ask me something more interesting in this time. <laughs> That's a really great thing. <laughs> and, um, and also, yeah, I, 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 I sort of really am interested in the internet and the whole thing. And, and uh, there's, you know, it's just been fun to kind of entertain people with who like you. And also I've got little bits. There's a section called I've got six sections. You couldn't do it because you didn't have flash. You see. I know. See, I, so when I couldn't get on, I tried. <laughs> but I've got six sections that are like you know bits of my personality. And then there's this one bit called <laughs> Alan Land, where I put things on. Like I, I'm putting on pictures of things I've eaten. <laughs> so yeah, as a sort of a uh, kind of um, satire on this kind of obsession with celebrity that you know I thought yeah. I'm not going to do pictures of myself. I'm going to do pictures of things that I have eaten. <laughs> Inspiring me. Yeah, yeah I'm going to rethink this yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have a, I have a lily pond on mine, and then fans are like, you have, I shoot fans outside the theater like this, and they're holding up the lily pads, and it says, Because of us, she walks on water. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That kind of you know, foolish stuff, too. And, and Heather's had, had a journal. I, I, so I know you're leaving the show sometime to publicize your album. Right, sometime. <laughs> yeah, all my business on the web. But um, no, I, uh, I write a journal in my personal life. And so I thought that I would write a journal uh, for the website as well. I, I told them that when I started it, I was, you know, I was one of those people who did not want to do it at all. And so I said I had to have a lot of you know, say in, into how the website would go down and things. It should be part of my personality. And I try to answer most of, of the mail. By, you know, even if it's a hi, this is Heather, thank you for writing, that kind of thing. So um, I do have a journal, and it, it documents everything from the beginning of the show. So about February, it went through the Tony time. And so, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know, and I don't know, and then, ah! <laughs> so that's but pretty much it. Do, do you think more people wait at the stage door or write you mail because of the website or as part of this to sort of give them an access to you that maybe the traditional routes are not being used? I, mean, I think it's, it's partly a thing that you, you hope that people might, I mean, I don't know, it's a hard thing, it's quite a difficult area to discuss because people do get offended, but you know, there's some level I've found that of, of invasion into your life that is unacceptable and in some way having a website people can go that and you mm. put personal things there that they can see and maybe they won't like funnel it. Yeah, They'll leave you alone. You know. well, yeah, maybe, you know. And I started because I was doing concerts and things like that and people would want to know certain mm. things and it was really hard yeah, to really try to get together a mailing or a way mm. to reach them and somebody had put up a fan's sort of page and I just had no control. So um, actually, Sarah Hess, who works with me, she does the whole 
story, and she's my assistant, so she's been through the whole Bells thing. So people love to tune in to see, like, what occurred that week and things like that. There's the squirrel but cap, I heard, I read last yes, night. Yes, did, did you? Well, did you I just said those of you who didn't see it won't know what the squirrel there cap is. There you go, it's true. It's did you have to buy your name? The fifth version. Right. Uh -huh. Did you have to buy your name? You know how this, I had to yes. like, do a big legal thing to get my name back. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. yeah. Did you have to give them cash? <laughs> gave him some cash. You see, the thing is, you know Julia Roberts? I gave him a donation to her charity. Oh. What happened to Ju yeah, Julia? Well, she got, did this big court case and said, you know, why should we have to buy back our own names and stuff? And uh, so, it, and, and it overturned the whole thing. And uh, now you don't have to pay money. They, they just have, they have to, there's a sort well, of a prestige. Well, I didn't pay much, don't worry. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> 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 it wasn't it, like, thank like, God like for Julia Roberts. So like someone had registered Sony mm -hmm. or... Yeah. Old, the old sex shop, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but I wonder, I mean, actors, I mean, I've heard for years, I don't even know if this is still the case, that, you know, Nathan Lane is Nathan because his name is Joseph Lane, but there was already a Joseph Lane in equity, so he had to find a new name. And some of those people with initials are there. Is that, I wonder if that still goes on, or, or are you, is, this, is the web influencing actors' equity, where if you are, in fact, if this is my name, I can, I can have it. I don't know. Well, in the early days of the net, I mean, you know, enterprising people just registered as many things as they could yeah. come up with, and, and then people that they thought might potentially have a website, I suppose. Yeah. And, uh, and there's the org, there's .com, .net, mm -hmm. .org, so you right. can go to this place and find out who's bought your name, and mm -hmm. lots of people, there's a thing called, one that's got, had my name, it's called Celebrity Sites, and they just buy <laughs> right. celebrities' names, Wholesale. millions of celebrities. We're yeah, Wholesale. a dime a dozen. Yeah. Forgive me, what is a website? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's it a place. It's like a thing on your computer. It's sort of like you go, heaven. You go <laughs> it's well, like I, this. I only went to the typewriter, that's all. Ah, oh, well then. You know, I'm still with two fingers. But you don't need I feel like I'm still using a quill pen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> From the Jurassic. I really don't know what the website it's is. It's like a sort of magazine <laughs> in cyberspace about someone. Yeah, but what is cyberspace? <laughs> oh, you, you need to yes, you need to somebody check it down with the com with the computer and show you. It's 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 like magic. Um, it's like a, a telephone, right? It's like instead of phoning someone, you write, you type on the thing. Yeah, and but the telephone, I can imagine. You know, they put the cable under the ocean. Oh, yeah. no, no, you, th there's no logic to the computer world. I, I don't think you should even start. It's going to be, it's gonna be yeah. a, a very... It's, it's like called slippery. <laughs> yes, it is like... It's, sort of it's got all these things called virtual reality, which, of course, is a kind of So I have weird to type in... There is, a, there is a keyboard somewhere that looks like what you're familiar with, but beyond that, who knows? And of course, what I love now is that everybody gets dependent on it, because you can do things very quickly, and we can talk about websites, and we can find fun, and we can find lily pads and stuff like that. And then it goes down, <laughs> and you can't light the show. You can't do the show because the computer isn't operating. Mm. I mean, it's, I th think there are downsides oh to yes, all this. Oh, yes, it's a perilous time. Let's get back to the language of theater. Oh, right, right, yes. no, right. <laughs> a little diversion is about well, back. Well, also, I, this is going to probably sound very old-fashioned and, and not in keeping at all with what you all are talking about with the web, but there's a thing that I've always felt about being an actor, that the less... The, more, the less people knew about me personally, the more effective my work could be, because I could disappear, which is what I, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to be an actor when I was a child was to disappear. And, to, and I still think that's a very interesting thing about a relationship between the actor and the audience, that, that you are more acceptable. It's one of the things that about doing the television series, which was kind of nervous-making for me, and why I was happy to play a character that was 
so far removed from the normal things that I did, what, first of all, I felt it's, it sort of became a reverse trap because it got me, it got the world thinking that that's who I was, that character. And it's just a character. So then you have to come along and undo some of, not damage, but you have to control your image all the time as an actor so that you can move from part to part and, and be accepted in other roles. Because it's not the audience that has trouble accepting you in other roles as much as it is sometimes the people on the other side of the table who've decided, no, you're the butler and that's, you know, that's how we want to see you from now on. So I like, I like to keep my personal stuff to myself so that my work, so it doesn't get into the work and they don't know about that. And it makes it, to me, it makes the work more interesting. I think that's a very important, important point. Well, what am I supposed to do about this? <laughs> <laughs> you can do both. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, since you do do both. <laughs> we can just leave it there if we want. Maybe, maybe we should go and see if there are any some questions from the audience and get us out of this quagmire that we've gotten ourselves into Sorry, here. It's virtual quagmire. Virtual quagmire. It's only too true, you know. Yeah. Hi, my question is for the whole panel. Um, how, what advice would you give to young actors or students just starting out in the business? Oh, that's bad. Um, I would say be yourself. That's the most important thing you have and the thing that makes you most attractive. <coughs> remember yourself and remember, uh, you know, just... Because it's interesting what you were saying. I, I, I kind of disagree and I think, I've, as I've grown older, I think that I used to think that you put all these things on top of yourself as an actor, uh, layers of things for the character, and then I actually realised that what's more important is letting stuff of you come out. Mm. Um, you know, like being more prepared to be vulnerable in a way. Mm. Um, so uh, that's it's not a contradiction, though. No, it's kind of a dual thing, thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I would like to say there are many young actors who come to me, and then I usually say, "What roles would you like to play?" And they don't know. They just want to be famous. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think the advice, there are two advices. Read as much as you can, mm -hmm. the classics and the modern plays. Learn them and do it for yourself, like a musician. He's playing for years only to, for himself, exercising, discovering music. And the second is live as fully as you can, mm -hmm. because the more you stretch out your soul or your heart, the more characters you can portray. Yeah, I think I think we've seen that on this group of people That's right. who have lived. Next question. Um, I, I was wondering. Quite a full life. <laughs> this how is do a you know? question for everyone. Um, how do you like dealing with the new mics that are being used today in theater, as opposed to like older mics, maybe? I love them because I can whisper. <laughs> but in the play, do you have mics? Mm -hmm. Every theater has now mics. We don't. No, we don't. No? Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> In my day, we had to have voices. <laughs> yeah, that but I had, I had a scene, to direct a scene, in a, when you had to do the confession mm. in a church. And, you know, it was built, and I, I couldn't hear anything. And too loud wasn't good. So we got the idea, a new idea, to put mics in there. And it was fantastic mm. how this whisper came over, and the secret and the mystery remained. So for these moments, I think it's wonderful. And when I played every man mm -hmm. in the Salzburg Festival, we had 11,000 people. So Fair enough. 
Yeah. Yeah. It may be good to also, have Also, sound mic. has taken a big leap in the last mm -hmm. few years because really what they're trying to get back to um, is sort of a natural thing where you're hearing the person's voice, but it is amplified. So it's not just coming from a speaker that you're mm. hearing amplification. I mean, the sound that I, I deal with every night is fantastic. And I feel like I am projecting, mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. I like to do. Mm -hmm. But it's tempered in such a way that it's, they really get the best sound But out, I think so. the question is where you're right. Because yeah. we have the Long Acre Theater, which is a pretty big theater, 1,100 seats. And the first audience row is in certain scenes here, just in front of me. And the others are about, I don't know, 50 meters away. And they can both hear? Well, the problem is that to have this intimate tone in the scene with my daughter, for example, that it is not too loud for them, right. but reachable for those. Mm -hmm. So that's, in a way, a wonderful art. Yes, yeah. it is. And that makes also the difference to films, because in films, it's enough you think. The le le look at Marlon Brando, the less you say, the better it is, but he was always thinking, actually he's reading the lines, but that doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> no, but I, I also think it's good that we've heard two plays on Broadway that are not using any amplification. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think and that's yeah. terrible, though. that's a good thing. Do you know? It's well, not a terrible indictment of the state of affairs that we're going, hurrah, two plays where they're not using mics. Well, but we're in an, as Faith, Faith yeah. said, we're in an era where everybody... It depends how elegant the sound is, really, you yeah. know, and, and I think... Uh, and I think the acting style is very different now. I mean, it's not histrionic. It's not, you know, the, 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 the great, pro de, you know, profound pro projection is really rather artificial. You know, it's oratorical in a way. Mm -hmm. And even though some people have more resonant, richer, fuller voices that will carry further and so on, they still, it is difficult to carry, to maintain intimacy. Uh, in, in a natural, in, in play it really naturalistically. Which but it is also influences the style. That's if you right. hear records by John Barrymore, you know, no, I'm alone. That's what I'm saying, it's right. artificial. You know he has no mics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Right. He has to project, right. and that's the whole style. Mm. Where do you wear your mic, just out of curiosity, and Aida? Oh, t I have two, I carry two packs, because I don't, I, I'm not <laughs> off stage enough. So if anything went wrong, um, they couldn't change it, so I have to carry everything. And they wanted my bald head on stage, so at first the mic was here, but it was catching all my jaw noises. So they created a, a wig that, you know, carries my oh. mics in my head. So I have, I have two packs. I'm, I'm pretty well loaded. <laughs> uh, I wear case. two packs, too. Yeah, but I wear, a, we I wear a light time. sensor, too, because I, my light, you know, I have lights that follow me. Oh, yeah? Oh, do you? And what, you've got a little thing in it. Good. How exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I want that. Let's get that. <laughs> See, <laughs> and a lighting designer the other day said that, no, the, you know, because I said these lights follow the actors. No, 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 the actors are following the lights, so I'm glad to prove them wrong. Yeah. What is yeah. it like a little, you work, try it's, a, it's a sensor, you know, a sensor I wear. So I wear, I wear two, pack, yeah. two mics and a sensor on pack on my, heavy? around my, what? Do you feel heavy? No. The first one I got it, got Not it much. I was like, ugh. And then all of a sudden, if and you I give wear me my one, mics up here, too, yeah. under my hair. Yeah. I said no to two packs, but I have two cords. <laughs> yeah, and then they can plug they, you in. They, well, because it, it was, they wanted to put it in the on front. Your costume, I went, I don't want to have two. Yeah, yeah. 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 and if your costume isn't going to yeah, encumber it. Yeah, it was going to encumber it. So I said, how about one pack, and if I go out, then we'll go to two. Right. So I sort of negotiated with them. But I do have two cords, so they can just plug it in. Yeah. I like then the king and I when they decided what to do with the king of Siam was because this production, the last production, had he had hair, a, a clump of hair, which is very much in keeping with the period, 
and everything was in there. The, the mic, the pack, the batteries, the whole works. So the batter, everything too? Are they, you they, Everything was there. Oh, God, that's good. <laughs> well, that's what, that was their solution. Another yeah. question? Hi, everybody. I'm wondering how you would recommend um, an aspiring actress get an agent or actor. <laughs> get an agent or get an actor? No. Get, <laughs> get an agent. I think we got Getting it. Getting an actor <laughs> is easier. <laughs> Um, I don't. I really don't know. It's, a, it's so arbitrary. I think it just it's catch twenty two. Mm. Um, when I came to New York, I was uh, went to see a production of Scrambled Feet that a friend of mine was the understudy, and he went on that night. And this is a story I actually told for the Broadway book. But um, my mom went with me that night, and you have to know my mom. She's not Mama Rose. She's completely the opposite. So when she actually speaks, I listen. I listen. <laughs> and we were sitting there watching the show, and she leaned over to me in intermission. She said, I really think you'd be very good for this show. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah, I think you'd be great in it. So I spent the second act sort of looking at going, you know, she's right. I, I could do this show. So afterwards, they were talking to a group of students, and I don't know to this day what possessed me, but I raised my hand, and they called on me, and I said, yes, do you need another girl <laughs> for the show? Now, uh, they said, well, actually, we're looking for somebody. Do you play the piano? And I said, yes. And they said, do you, you know, sing? And I said, yes. So I went and got an appointment with the stage manager and got the job, and an agent found me in Boston. My point is just get seen, do a reading, be relentless, do anything until somebody can see you and see your talent. Did, didn't you go to um, a, a university that brings students to New York and displays them Not at that time. They do okay. now. It's very, you know, commercial now. They all have a night where everybody performs, but not when I was there. There's Cincinnati really, Conservatory There's Union. really no, no rule. No. But I know that, I don't know if anybody Just knows Eliz <laughs> Elizabeth Bergner. She was one of the great, great actresses of all time. And she told me that she just stood for 30 days in front of the theater and each day, Max Reinhardt came out and she said, I want, to s I want to play a role for you. And he was so angry, finally, after 30 days. I said, all right, come, just to get her away Off from the office. And uh, she became Elizabeth Bergner. And at the end, she was uh, just sometimes even fooling around. And then he said, look, I, I, the dress rehearsal, I have to know how you're playing tonight. For that, you are Max Reinhardt to know how I'm going to play tonight. <laughs> and she did it, mm. you know. So I think you just have to, what she says, yeah, try and take the chance. When, when did you get an agent, Lillian? Um, I got an agent because I got into a mime show that, uh, here in New York. I got my, uh, that's how I got my equity card. I guess I, and I guess I got an agent. I don't even know if I had an agent then. I don't remember. I had auditioned a, a I was I, I auditioned for an English review. I my brother I used to make my brother work with me because he's very very funny, and um, and my name is Mary, but my mom's name is Lily. So, I said when I we were getting close to the desk and I heard them say they're looking for English performers. So then we just put on an English accent, and, <laughs> we, and we and and the, and when I did an old monologue of mine, the world's oldest living beauty expert, and it's very physical. So. Uh, they saw when someone there was casting this mime show, so they put, I wasn't a mime, I mean, I wasn't a trained mime, but I got into a mime show, and they, and that's how I got my name, I used, I had, I had said Lily Tomlin, because it sounds more English. <laughs> Did you mime in English, then? <laughs> <laughs>
And anyway, I got in a mind show. I got my equity card, and I don't remember how. I guess I got an agent at the improv, getting up at the improv and working out. You know, someone came and saw me or something. That's my last, re that's my recollection. That's great. Another question? Hi, I'm Adrian Martinez, and my question's for the panel. Have you ever given a bad audition, then asked for a second chance, and did it work out? Hmm. Good I, yeah, I have, actually. I mean, I've come into the room and been, um, like we were talking about early, it's something that I wanted so desperately yeah. that I blew it. And, um, and I asked my, I walked out of the room, and the stage manager was coming to get the next auditioner, and I turned around and went back in the room and said, I blew that completely. Can I have another shot? And they said, sure. And they will usually give you another shot. Yeah. Got the part, too. <laughs> well, that makes you stand out in itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anybody else? I, I auditioned once for Martin Sharnan. And I did a monologue that I was very proud of. And for some reason, the tone of it really pissed him off. <laughs> and he went off for five minutes. And I just stood there very still while he just rant and raved and ranted and raved. And I stood very still and I waited for him to finish. And nobody else spoke in the room. And I said, I have an up-tempo. <laughs> <laughs> and he let me do it. <laughs> I was very lucky. The tone of the monologue. Did it, so was he rallying against you for having chosen it or the monologue I itself? wasn't sure. I mean, it was really one of those, it was almost he was mad at me because I had really performed the piece as if I were this person. And he was, he had a question of tone. The thing is that you, that you, I think that it's important for actors to remember is that they want you to be good. They want it to be you. They, they, they don't know sometimes what they're looking for until it comes into the room. And it, unless they have some sort of mandate to have a, a name in the role or something, but if the part is actually open and they can actually cast whoever they want to cast in it, then they want it to be you. And they are as anxious for you to be good as you are to do well for them. And so, you know, don't feel shy or hesitant about asking for your fair shot because it's the only shot you may get at this and so you want it to be right and, and usually I think they're pretty accommodating. I mean, it, but it I will have to say there are sometimes you walk in and people have weird sort of yeah. auras. They might be socially inept or yeah. whatever. Really, or you don't they've know. Made or, up they, their or they don't know or what they want. Yeah, really. yeah. yeah. And, it, and you can't take that on. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You have to keep separate. And that's what I mean. I, I didn't kind of take Martin personally. I was just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I was very lucky because the first director I had was my mother, <laughs> <laughs> and I was three years old, and I had to play a blade of grass. <laughs> flower play written by my father, so it was very simple. And the only mistake she made, she changed my partner because I was first uh, dancing with a lily, no, with a violet, and then she changed it to a rose, and I didn't like the rose, so I refused to appear. I refused to say my lines, and then uh, my mother said, you will get no dinner if you don't say your lines from the wings. And then finally I was so angry that I went in front of the audience and screamed the whole part into the face of the audience. That I am a grass, you know now what I am. And there was a huge applause. It was the biggest success I ever had in my life. And I cannot repeat that. So, But I didn't find an agent then. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have to interrupt this wonderful, wonderful panel because it's time to close. 
This has been an American <laughs> Theatre Wing seminar on working in the theatre, which is coming to you from the Graduate Center at the City University of New York. This panel has been on the performance, and what a splendid group of performers we have here. I'm eternally grateful to you for being in the theatre, working for us, and sharing your talent with us. Thank you so very, very much for being here.